didn't see you there. Or I guess it would be, I didn't hear you there if this is an audio podcast. I don't know if that's botching the intro or doing a great job, but welcome back to No Bucks Given, an NBA podcast that's named after the local hometown team in which we are located in. That's Milwaukee with the Milwaukee Bucks, but a podcast that covers everything and anything in the NBA and occasionally the outer rims of the NBA, which is about this episode. We'll get there in a hot second. No, that's right. It's not every episode that includes the Milwaukee Bucks. We will not be covering them today. So if you tuned in for that, I am sorry. Please yell at me in the comments. We are going to talk about today. I'll cover after I introduce our guest. And before I introduce our guest, I want to do a quick shout out. Uh, I can look at the stats on the podcast in terms of age, location, and what platforms people use. And whenever something else is added, I want to shout it out because I think it's fun. So we're still at 98% in the United States, which we expect because it's the NBA, it's a U.S. sport, blah, blah, blah. But we do have less than 1% of listeners, which I assume is just one listener in each country in Mexico, Aruba, and India. If you are those people checking in and you genuinely enjoy the show, welcome. Please enjoy. Let me know if there's anything I can do to cater to you guys, because I'm sure you guys are just three listeners, so I may as well shape my whole show against you guys, right? I'm going to introduce my guest now, because I've been digging around for about 30 to seconds to two minutes now, about nothing. It's Nick Andre. He's been on the show before. A few weeks ago, we spoke about the G League, and I invited him on because he was tweeting about the G League Ignite, a very exciting team that I wanted to talk about. And it seems like Nick has just expertise everywhere. He's covering everything. Every time I see something niche in the, in the basketball world, he's talking about it. And I saw him doing it again, and I hit him up because I got to exploit that. You know, I got to use that to my own power. You can find him at, at Nick Andre ATR on Twitter. That link will be in the episode show notes. Check out his articles on Medium. There's a link tree on his Twitter. You'll find it all there, but I'll post a link on it too. Awesome breakdowns of the WNBA draft prospects that I used to prepare for this podcast and the forgotten players section, which we can cover a little bit maybe at the end when I tell people to check out what you've been writing because that's a very exciting series you got going on. And the Above the Rim podcast, available everywhere, baby. Again, that link will be in the description because I'm a nice friend. Dre, you guys just uh, started recording again. You guys put out an episode the 8th, right? Yeah, we just did. Um, shout, out to my, shout out to my guy, Bo Allen, as well, man. I mean, Bo, Bo has been – he's basically been with me since the beginning, man. Uh, we had like a like a good two, three-month hiatus, but we're back, man. Hopefully, hopefully we can get an episode released later on this week as well. So everybody should be on the lookout for that. People look out for that. It's usually in my Reader's Digest for podcasts that I'm checking out when they are releasing. Now that I've plugged your stuff, Nick, how are you doing, man? I'm good, man. And I'm also, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I, actually, man, can I cuss on here? I yes, of course I, you can cuss on here. It's no bucks given. <laughs> all right, cool. I, I'm, I'm tired of shit. <laughs> I yeah. a lot of you, bro. I'm tired of shit, man. I've, I've been working, man. So I'm just looking, man. Um, like you said, man, I have the Forgotten Players series that was um, – also, also really, really successful. Shout out to everybody who read it. Shout out to everybody who you know supported it. And then I also did my WNBA draft breakdown of four players that I um that I found very unique. So I'm just taking this week to just kind of chill out, man. And hopefully I can get back at it next week. So, but yeah, I mean, but besides all that, man, I'm good. I'm good. I'm great. That's good to hear, man. Yeah, that's two hints already. If you didn't know, now you know. If you didn't know by the title of this episode, which I'm sure includes it, we're gonna be talking about the WNBA draft today. So if you're misogynistic unsubscribe to my podcast don't even turn this one off you could just you could just get out of here if you don't give a shit about the WNBA you only care about NBA that's fine you know people got their taste but if you think that the WNBA isn't a real sport all that shit that I see on Twitter all the time it's still just disgustingly all all over on Twitter then you can just unsubscribe at this point man because we are not going to cater you at all in any of these episodes, let alone this one today. Beyond that, though, we're going to do a little bit of a speed round in terms of smaller NBA news that's come out. And it's not small in the sense that it's not impactful on the league. It's just not a ton of stuff to talk about beyond it. So we're going to start with uh, Kevin Durant, Brooklyn Nets star. You all know who he is, who's been in and out of the lineup for most of the year. Um, it's never been anything drastic, but... 
you know, picks up a, a hit on the leg that doesn't heal right or tweaks an ankle or messes it up. This time around, he hurt his left leg. And it's not expected to be an extended absence by any means, but he is missing tomorrow's game confirmed. And I'm not talking about Kevin Durant because I want to talk about, oh, he's going to be out for the season or the playoffs or anything like that, because he's not. My concern is that the Brooklyn Nets have been nothing but fragile this entire season. Kyrie Irving has been has missed substantial time due to injury. James Harden has missed substantial time due to injury. He's not playing right now due to injury. And Kevin Durant has also. And it is partially about management and the front office and the coaching staff just sitting them the second that they have a small injury, they don't want them to play through anything, which is smart, especially when you're a playoff slash title contender. But my concern, and this is the question I'm going to pose to you, Nick, I just keep switching between Nick and Dre. You're going to, you're going to respond regardless, but this fragility, I'm not entirely concerned about it in the playoffs because if it is something small, like what Durant had, they'll probably play through it if it's past the first round or if it's a close second round matchup. But is this lack of chemistry that they're not getting together? I don't know what the stat is. I probably should have looked it up if I was a good podcast host uh, host in terms of how many games those three have actually played together. Does that worry you that they don't have chemistry when it comes to playoff time? Because I know the Nets are your title pick or at least your pick to come out of the East. Let me hear your thoughts. Um, as far as chemistry, I'm not I'm not too concerned because, I mean, like, mommy, because like you said, I mean, these, these are probably – three of the greatest or the three of the best scores right in the NBA today or, or or at least or at least they're all in the top five at least or top ten at least. So I think I think they've all gotten into that point in their career where it's like, you know, it's all about winning. So you know, right. if Harden has to take a step back, he will. If KD has to take a step back, he will. If Kyrie has to take a step back. I think I think they like even even though these guys have only had like a small package of time together, I think they kind of like understand like what their um what their goal is like as soon as like you know as soon as the regular season ends and as soon as the playoffs come around so i, I personally think as all, as long as all of them are healthy together on the floor they will be fine and they will figure it out but i mean and like i said i mean brooklyn is my team to come out of the east or right. or actually to win a championship because i mean it's it's really just that simple you got kevin durant kyrie irvin james right. harden i i actually picked brooklyn like to come out of the east like before the harden um before the harden trade but i mean as mm-hmm. soon as as, right. as, soon as, as soon as the trade happened, I mean, it's basically, it's basically like you know, it's basically like automatically who's going to win it all. Right, right. But I think the I think the one thing, the one thing to me that is going to beat Brooklyn is health, and I only say that just because I mean, the Kevin Durant. I mean, obviously Kevin Durant has missed a good substantial amount of time, and the time that he has played, he has played efficiently. I want to say like his first game back after the injury against New Orleans, he went five for five from the field and about and right. about in about like a small sample. So that's obviously great signs as well. But the thing about it is that, you know, all these lingering injuries, whether it's Kyrie, whether it's KD, whether it's Harden, whether it's another other guys on the floor, you know, you want to make sure that these guys are a hundred percent healthy by the time the playoffs come around. So if I'm Steve Nash, if I'm the rest of the uh, Nets um, coaching, coaching staff, like, you know, I wouldn't have a problem sitting Kevin Durant for the rest of the season or per se, just because, I mean, honestly, I don't, I don't see Brooklyn like getting anything lower than the two C Right, I agree. So it's like you know, just just go ahead and sit on the rest of your. At the end of the day, you your 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 priorities are basically based on trying to get a championship. Right. So if that means that you know you have to sit Kevin Durant or James Harden for the rest of these however many games, like twenty games remaining on their schedule, right? Got to do it. You know what I'm saying? Like you know, this is this is basically a team that's championship or bust. So you know, you have to do everything that's necessary in order for you guys to be a hundred percent come the postseason time right yeah i agree with everything you said we're going to move on this is the speed round one thought each on on the topics that we're talking about before we do move on i'm going to break the rule that i literally just posed and have one more thought on it today in the standings if the season ended the nets would play the heat in the first round the bucks in the second round and philadelphia in the third round if the higher seeds win their other playoff matches which is an absolute gauntlet but if that does solidify i'm gonna have someone on to talk about that in the future next this broke today about 30 40 uh minutes ago maybe even shorter than that shams katania tweeted that miles turner the big man out of indiana and is currently leading the NBA in 3.4 blocks per game has a laceration in his big toe revealed by an MRI and will be sat indefinitely. Now the Indiana Pacers have had a weird season where they've dealt with some injuries and some trades. They traded Victor Oladipo and got Karis Levert back in that who 
has played very well. Very well. Very well. Um, right now they stand at ninth in the standings, which is still the play-in tournament, but not the actual playoffs. Do you have any concerns about the rest of the season? I mean, he's the linchpin of their defense, man. Or do you think that playing Sabonis at center more is going to free them up? I mean, Sabonis is a really solid defender, especially especially around the interior. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, have, having Miles Turner or, or like not having Miles Turner in that lineup for however long, I don't, I don't know if it's the rest of the season or if it's just a good significant amount of time. Right. But not but not having in that lineup as your defensive enforcer is really going to hurt the Pacers, who, who is a team that's been basically struggling for about most of the year, even though they are sitting at the nice spot. So they are in the playing tournament and they still do have a chance of making the postseason, but they have had their inconsistency throughout the throughout this year. And honestly, Miles Turner was my defensive player of the year. I know a lot of people may say Rudy Gobert. I know a lot of people may say Ben Simmons or whoever, but Miles Turner was averaging around, I want to say, three and a half blocks per game. Yeah, so 3.4. Like so yeah, yeah. He, uh, he he's he's really elevated his defense to like to like max potential. And whenever he's healthy on the floor, you could tell how much like how much like the Pacers thrive off of that, like off of like Turner being that defensive force. So now with him being missing like all this time now going forward, I think it's really gonna hurt the Pacers. Yeah, I agree. I like the Pacers a lot. I still don't really forgive them for firing Nate McMillan for getting swept by the team that made it out of the East. I mean, that was just an overreaction. Oh, um, and I do like Bjork, their new guy, but at you know who's you know who Nate McMillan is coaching right now? The Hawks. And where do they the sit? The Hawks and who are who are they, killing it right now. Right. They're fourth in the East. They're probably not gonna slip anything lower than five at this point with their record. And I would say that their talent level is better than the Pacers, but not by a lot but we're going to move on. That's enough of that. One last little tidbit of NBA news before we move on to the mental health check. Sterling Brown, which if you were listening from Milwaukee and a grand majority of you are, is a familiar name, was a second round draft pick of the Milwaukee Bucks, played for the Bucks, I want to say for three straight seasons and profiled as, he's kind of an Eric Gordon. He's a bit shorter than Eric Gordon, but he plays staunch defense and he can make open shots. He does get a little bit of tunnel vision when he drives, but he, for a second-round pick, perfectly fine player. Bucks didn't have any cap space to re-sign him, and the Houston Rockets snatched him up. He has had, he's enjoyed a decent season, but has been plagued by injuries. It was reported by the Athletic, which I have to assume is Shams Karania, that he was jumped outside of a club late on Sunday in Miami and was hit on the head with a bottle and needed medical attention. Now he is fine. He has some lacerations on his face that need uh, needed stitches and he is missing tonight's game, but he already was missing tonight's game with a knee injury that he's currently dealing with. I don't know how much information or knowledge that you have on Sterling Brown, but you do watch a lot of the NBA. So I'm sure you've heard his name before one thought on this situation. And then we're going to move on. Um, It's it's just unfortunate, you know, it's just an unfortunate situation, you know, for him. Um, I don't, I don't necessarily know that much details on the story but you know the one thing that i do wish is like you know i do wish him a speedy recovery man and i, I really I, re- I really do hope that you know that he can that he can come back and you know ha- and have a productive nba career after this i agree we're going to move on now to the mental health check and then we're going to move on to the WNBA after so if you don't care about our mental health well-beings which sounds like corporate america if you talk about me You can just skip this, skip a minute or two and and get to the WNBA stuff. But if you do care or you're just too lazy to skip, which I've been there before for sure, we're going to dive into that. So I asked you earlier and you did allude to it a little bit. You're tired of shit. Work has been grinding you down. You you need you need a break. Maybe if you want to expand on that for a hot second or you can just repeat the stuff that you said. I want to know genuinely how you really are, because I say this every time. It's April again. We're almost the end of April. The pandemic is not fully over. People are getting vaxxed, but not enough people are getting vaxxed right now. And everyone I know is mentally struggling on some level. So I'd love to hear from you, brother, how you're doing truly, or if there's just nothing to add from what you said earlier. Uh, I mean, just just basically, just basically reiterating on like what I said. Basically, I mean, you know, I mean, I guess it's just for me grinding so hard just because you know but i mean the one thing about me is that you know i i, I have to do something every day just because i want to feel right. like i was productive at least in that day whether whether i write a paragraph or whether i do something for my podcast or anything i feel like i have to do something so yeah 
I think I think the one thing I mean, and I might have said it, I might have said this last time I was here, but like like at the start of the pandemic, you know, when there was no sports going on, and, you know, a lot of people were trying to find out what to write about or what to talk about as far as sports related. So you know, I really challenged myself and I really started going in like for the last like year or so. I mean, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll put out I'll probably put out like at least over a thousand articles. I don't even right. know the exact number. It's insane, bro. So so the I guess the one thing that I realized over. This last like maybe month or so, even though I'm still putting out a lot of content, like you know, say sometimes you do need that mental health break, at least at least from like writing and doing everything. Sometimes you need that that break. I mean, it's I mean, it's not, and it's not as if like you know you've lost passion for it or anything. Sometimes you just need that that one day or two days to just you know take a back, excuse me, take a back seat. Yeah, you know, try, try to find something else to do. Try to find something to get your mind off everything, and then you know once you're ready to to just get back at it so that that's kind of like that's kind of the space that i am right now you know what i'm saying i mean obviously as you know i've put out a lot of articles over the past like month or so yeah so i think i think i think basically this week i'm just gonna you know take the time out to just you know just kind of chill out do a couple podcasts here and there yeah and then get back to it like probably like probably next week or so Mm -hmm. yeah that's good to hear yeah it's pretty easy to feel burnt out during what we're dealing with right now especially because we're asked to work as if nothing is wrong and even more especially if you're putting out the quantity of fucking articles that you're putting out and i mean they're all quality too i check them out when i can and i'm always throwing that respect around because you are putting out just so much man go ahead hey man all I want to do is try to keep the foot on the gas, man. Yeah, that's all I want to do. I mean, and like I said, man, I'm 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 the type of person where it's like I have to do something like to feel productive. So yeah, like I, I don't know, it's weird for me. Like if I if I go a day without like writing down something or like writing down like an idea, like say for instance, like you know I'm watching an NBA game and I see something, and I'm like, oh my god, yeah, okay, cool. That's a topic that I can write about. Like you know, so right. if I don't do that, if I don't do that, you know, I, f- I feel like I feel like I didn't accomplish anything. So I think I think that's that's just how I always been. It's yeah. I feel you. I feel you. Well, it's good that you recognize that you need a break and you're taking it. I'm going to transition to me because this podcast is about me, baby, and the NBA, but mostly about me and my mental health right now. And it's good. I mean, I've said and talked on the podcast how I was in a decently rough place when I started the pod and I've gradually gotten better since then. But the days are up and down, you know, Uh, anytime I'm uh, I got a little bit too much free time on my hands. I just start overthinking stuff about my life and my future and, you know, my career choices and stuff like that. So that was one of the days today. You know, I just had a little bit too much time to myself. I got in my feels a little bit, a little bit salty, a little bit moody, but ain't nothing huge, you know, ain't nothing big. And I, I got to be blessed. I got to stay blessed and grateful that it, I'm not dealing with anything too massive right now. Just, you know, a little depressed. We all a little bit depressed. So not too bad. I'm happy to be on the pod. The pod always helps me out. And I'm happy to have you back on the pod because the fact of the matter is, I mean, I invited you on the podcast and we didn't know each other. And we still don't know each other that well. But we tweet at each other damn near every day, DM damn near every day about the NBA. And I'm, I'm hoping to have you on the pod for many more episodes to come. Oh, definitely, man. We we got to do the drunk episode, man. I know, I know we talked oh, about it. Oh, oh, you're right. Yeah, we definitely got to do that, man. Yeah, you're right. That's still every weekend. So I'll have you on for one of those for sure. Maybe we can do like a forgotten players episode where we just, you know, bring up the most random guys we can just be a little bit drunk right. for that. But that's that's for the future. Keep an eye out for that one, guys. That'll Are be you available to Saturday? I got I got an episode that I'm recording on Friday. I could record an episode on Saturday and just keep it in the in the bank until I got I need something to record. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Sure. Uh, so I'll text you for that because honestly, I would I would just record it and just keep it in the bank. So I'll shoot you a message yeah, about definitely. that. It's a good idea. It's a good idea. We're gonna move on now. That was the mental health check. I find mental health to be one of the more important things to be right now lately. And because I'm so preachy, I have to say that on every podcast. You guys think I'm smart. The WNBA just had their draft a few days ago, if not two days. I believe it was two days ago. And before that, they released a new line of jerseys. And I was listening to the Dunker Spot the other day, and their guest refers to the league as the W. And I think that's kind of sick. And I'm sure she didn't coin the phrase 
and I'm just a little bit uh, ignorant, but I like that they call it the W, so I'm going to refer to it as the W from this point on. They released new jerseys for each team, and it's three new jerseys for this team, and now I'm going to talk about another podcast that I listened to, The Spinsters, which is on Blue Wire Pods with Haley O'Shaughnessy and Jordan Liggins, and Jordan Liggins mentioned that before this season, each W team only had one jersey. They were all weird colors. They didn't have a home and away, just one color that they could wear with a bunch of ads, which is unbelievable that one, we haven't really heard much about that. And two, that they were just dealing with one jersey. So for them to get three jerseys, all designed by Nike, which is sometimes hit or miss for the NBA, but they're so fire this time that I just wanted to shout that out before we got into this talk about the actual play. Personally, my three favorite jerseys are the New York Liberty Equality jerseys. This is equality. It's mint. That shit's sick. The okay. blue Chi-Town jerseys. I got to get me a Candace Parker jersey of one of those. And the L.A. Sparks jerseys with the palm tree is just so fucking sweet. I, I'm not a big I, I'm, a, I'm not a huge um, buy L.A. merch guy because it is like the market for most bandwagon teams, but I think I'm going to have to snag me an LA Sparks Jersey and I'm probably going to hit up DH gate for all of these guys. All right. I, I'm not out here buying uh, paying full price for the NBA jerseys. I'm not going to pay for them. The W ones. Either. I want to ask you about your favorite, but for real quick, um, one of the Dallas wings jerseys was released and it had a fighter pilot logo. That was kind of sick. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. I saw that. And they pulled it because of a controversy. So just to recap the controversy very quickly, the Jersey was made because the pilot force was one of the first to admit women into their ranks. And they had over a thousand women fighting, which was unheard of for the time that it was done. The issue is that zero black pilots were admitted both women and otherwise. And, it's just a bad look historically. So they pulled the jersey. It won't be sold in stores. It won't be worn by the players. And it was a very quick cleanup for the for the W. Nick, I'm sure you saw these jerseys. You're paying attention to the, the W stuff more than I am. So I do want to hear what your favorite jerseys were and if you have any other reactions with these new jerseys and the number of jerseys that each team is getting now. Oh, man. My, my favorite one, like, also, I mean, this was needed for the NBA. I mean, or sorry, excuse me, WNBA, especially considering that, you know, it's their 25th season. So I'm definitely happy that they were able to get some new fresh gear going. But mm-hmm. if I had to, if I had to choose my, actually, I'm, I'm going to do two favorites. I like, I like the Phoenix Mercury ones. Yeah. And I, and I like the Los Angeles Sparks, particularly the black ones. Cause I, and I mean, and I, and I was talking to my guy Lamar about the shout to Lamar, by the way. Um, and he was saying basically like the black Sparks jersey really reminded them of like the um, last year's Lakers Mamba jerseys that they wore yeah. like in the bubble. So yeah, I mean those, those are definitely sick to me. But um, as far as as far as like that Dallas Wings jersey controversy, I mean, I I didn't I didn't really hear much about it honestly, which is crazy because I mean, considering that I covered WNBA, I didn't really hear much about it. Right. But I did see the jersey though, but like, I didn't I didn't hear like necessarily like why they removed or anything. So like so yeah, I mean that's that's definitely crazy. But I mean, but like I said, I mean I'm definitely happy for the W to be able to get these jerseys. I mean they're 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 definitely sick. Like I'm not gonna lie, they're yeah, definitely yeah. cold. And I'm I'm. I, I definitely cannot wait for them to like to debut it in their first games. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be nice. It's gonna be a, a better on court product too. And you didn't see as many W jerseys out there, partially because you know dudes just don't want to wear women's jerseys for one reason or another. Uh, it's usually bullshit reasons, but also. They were one color for each team. So if you didn't like the design of the one team that you rep, you probably weren't going to get it. The ads are pretty massive on them in the sort of way that soccer jerseys are, but it's a little bit different. And there wasn't a a lot of league variety. Um, So now that there's so much more variety and there's so much more care taken into the design of these jerseys i think we're going to see a lot more i've seen a lot of people on twitter and i'm sure you know this more than i do because like you said you cover the w and i don't at least i don't uh full time this is shaping up to be quite possibly the most important w season upcoming and possibly the most growth we're going to see from this league in it that's just what i see on twitter do you have any agreements with that I honestly 100% agree, and and I think and I think you have to give credit to 
this past year's women's NCAA tournament because like right. the momentum that the momentum that they had carrying into this WNBA draft, it gives a lot of people optimism because you see the you see these players like Dana Evans, like Charlie Collier, um, Ari McDonald, all these all these great female players that were having stellar tournament performances, mm-hmm. and now they're able to take that to that next level. It gives a lot of people optimism to see like you know how they can able to transcend and elevate at that next level. Right. So, so I, I think, I think that definitely played a huge part. And, and, and I think it's just in general, like, I mean, and you also, you also got to give credit to like the players like Candace Parker, Shanette Woman, right. um, Renee, Renee Montgomery, like all, all like, like all these female players who are going on TV and doing like great analyst. Right. Right. So you definitely, I think, I think that also plays a part in it as well, because I think a lot of people didn't understand possibly how, how great of a my Candace Parker was or, Right. K and all these all the people so for them to be able to use platforms like tnt and espn to right. share their knowledge of the game i think that i think that definitely plays a huge part of helping the w continue to grow and I, I definitely wish that more players continue to do that because right there's a lot of smart female players out there like it's like it's like almost every tuesday you see candace parker school and shack on exactly something. Like, you know exactly. what i'm saying like like it's, it's just so crazy so yeah for the for the w like i, I wish I, I really hope that most players continue to do that going forward yeah, I agree. Uh, they're getting a lot more exposure, and you're exactly right. I mean, I've seen Candace go on, uh, go viral on Twitter more times for dunking on Shaq than her actual play on the court, which says something exactly. about the W and people on Twitter. But now that she's getting more viral, people are paying attention. You mentioned Renee Montgomery. She's on a podcast right now. With It's called Take Line with Jason Concepcion, one of my favorite basketball pods right now. They do a great job, and they have great – uh, banter. Jason's probably the best media guy out there that didn't previously play or work in the NBA. Love that dude. We're going to move on to the draft, the WNBA draft. Now I have small blurbs for each player and I'll basically just present them when I present the player, but you actually covered the WNBA and you watched the women's tournament and I didn't watch the men's tournament, let alone I don't want to say let alone as if they're not equal. Sorry about that. But I didn't you watch didn't watch the, the men's tournament? I didn't watch it. I don't watch college. I just never did. Really? <laughs> I don't I, there's something about watching a court with with 2% of the players actually NBA talents. You know, I understand that they're different products and I don't mean to compare them like that. I'm not saying that I watch the NBA and I don't watch college just because the NBA is better and it's a better product. That's just how I, I got into it. You know, my parents didn't, Definitely. didn't show me any sports beyond soccer. I discovered old pop culture on my own. So I got into the NBA and I didn't get into college. And that's just how it is. I mean, I went to Marquette for four years and I didn't pay attention to the team at all while I was there, you know, but you cover these, these, these women and you've covered the tournament. So you've actually, and you've done actual character profiles. So what I want to do is just intro the players with the limited knowledge that I do. I will cite all my sources. I read about three or four articles, not including Nick's for this podcast. And I listened to two pods that I've already mentioned. And I'll introduce to that. And then I want to hear your thoughts on each prospect. That sound good? Mm-hmm. Let's do it. But number one, the Dallas Wings, who had three picks in the top five, I want to say, took Charlie Collier. Out of Texas, she's a 6'5 forward slash center. In college, this last season, she averaged 12.7 points per game, 46.6 percentage from the field, and 8.7 rebounds. Now, what I saw as the consistent reasons for uh, the Dallas Wings drafting her was, one, she was the obvious number one in the draft. That's what I saw. And number two, the Wings had horrible rebounding issues last year, and they were expected to address those issues in this draft with number one pick, they did that. Nick, let me hear what you have to think about this pick. Charlie Collier is a dog, man. I mean, I, I keep trying to tell everybody, man. I mean, I, I know a lot of people were like, I know like there, there were certain people that were questioning why she's, why she's the number one pick, but she's, right. she, she, she's basically a center that anyone needs. Like she, she's able to absorb contact. She's able to finish at the rim. She could even step outside. She's not the great, she's not the best shooter. In my opinion, but she's mm-hmm. able to stretch. She's able to stretch the floor and at least knock down shots. Now, the right. one thing that she does, the one thing that she does need to prove on, is how is how she's pressured in double teams. But I think you know, with experience in the WNBA and obviously being at the next level, that'll obviously help. But I mean, in my opinion, man, Charlie Collier is the best player that come out of this draft class, and it's not close. And I mean, and 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 I say that with no disrespect to right. all the rest of the players because I mean, I, I love every single one of them. But Charlie Collier is definitely going to be 
that next big thing, especially for the Dallas Wings. I, like honestly, like when you when you combine her with the mix of Satu Sabali, Arik or Arike Gumbawale, yeah, and then and then all and then also Alicia Jones. I want to say God, I can't I can't remember her name off the rip, but I got you. No worries. Just still spouting out names that I barely recognize. Although Arike <laughs> a beast. I know Arike a beast. Arike is definitely a beast. Yeah. But like here's the thing: like when, whenever you combine those three players with a with a great phenomenal beast under the basket right. and try to call your oh my god like all, all they all they need is a little more experience and i guarantee you this team will be a championship contender within like the next like two to three years like i guarantee that it's gonna be exciting to check out and we mentioned that they were trying to get the rebounding issues on their hold so what do they do with their second pick of the draft which they also owned they took a queer out of finland who's a center who's also six five same hype she averaged 14.3 points per game, 2.1 assists, and 47.9% from the field with 12.4 rebounds last season. She's only 19. I've heard some talk about the Wings keeping her overseas for a year. It's a strategy that the W uses differently from the NBA. In the NBA, you draft a guy overseas, and if he's raw or if he needs some more time, you keep him overseas over there. In the W, it's all about saving roster space. The rosters are a bit shorter in the in the w and the teams are lesser so the talent pool is a lot higher so sometimes teams will draft a player who's overseas strictly so they can keep them overseas for a year or two while they figure out their roster space i want to hear your thoughts on this second pick does it make sense with the first pick or are they just doubling up on the same amount of talent well, the thing is, is like, you know, as soon as you pick Charlie Collier and then you have that second pick, which honestly, I don't think I've ever seen ever in my life, like the same team have the, right. the top two picks in the draft. Like, I don't think that's, I don't in even think any draft, in right? N- yeah, that's what I'm saying. I don't think it's ever happened in the NBA. Well, I might be wrong, but I've never actually seen it happen, right. like, or actually witnessed it. Right. But, the, but I mean, but the thing is, is like, you know, queer, um, I can't even, I still can't even pronounce her name, queer. I want to yeah, say, I, I say queer. I think it's queer. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, but yeah, I mean, like, this was a player that you know, like everybody's been basically having their eye on. Well, at least if you cover the WNBA draft, right? This, like, honestly, like she's not. I don't necessarily want to compare her to Charlie Collier because, like, I think I think Charlie Collier is more of a player that loves that physicality and loves to be around the basket. Mm-hmm. Queer is more. Queer is more of like a stretch big. You know, what I'm saying she's more like the Candace Parker type, where you know, what I'm okay. saying? Where she could where she can kind of be like a guard and then also like become big at the same time. But she's, she's not necessarily a player that, you know, that you, you expect under the basket, but okay. that could possibly, but that, that could possibly change. Like, you know, it's sure. like, you know, once she goes to the WNBA, but I mean, she's definitely one of the best stretch bigs in this draft. You know what I'm saying? She's able to, she, she has a handle, she can pass, you know what I'm saying? She has, she has a great combination of moves where she could play basically any position on offense. And then, and then, all, and then also she could become a great defensive player as well. Like being both, both perimeter defense or interior. So right. honestly, like for the wings to have that second pick, I don't, I don't blame them for, for being able to get just because of her versatility on the floor. Right. I mean, if you have the number one pick in the draft, you take who everyone expects is going to go number one, who's possibly the most professionally ready player out there. So you can take a prospect who's 19 years old with your next pick and, and focus on their development as opposed to immediately contributing to the team. Now this is where the draft goes a little bit crazy and all the articles and podcasts that I listened to, they said that this was one of the most unpredictable drafts in sports history, let alone the W's history, and that draft rooms were having no idea what was going on. And it started with this pick. Number three, Ari McDonald. And it is Ari. If you guys watched the draft, she had a beautiful lit sign with how to pronounce her name at her little draft party in uh, at her home, I believe it was. And so at least we know how to pronounce her name. It's Ari McDonald. Which, if you didn't watch the women's tournament like me, she was one of the few names that did make it out of there because she was going fucking crazy in the tournament, dropping 20, dropping 30 every other game. And yet, the reason she gets drafted is her defense, not her offense. Now, we're going to expand on that in a hot second, but let me give you guys the intangibles or the tangibles. She went to Arizona. They went to the tournament final and lost there, but they were not expected to get anywhere close to it. She's a guard and she's 5'6", which is about average height i'd say for a guard in the w and college last season she averaged 21.7 points per game 4.3 assists 5.9 rebounds a very well balanced averages there on 43.8 percent from the field her draft stock exploded over the tournament nobody really knew where she was going to be drafted because she wasn't expected to be a big 
get in the draft until the tournament. So for her to go to number three, it was a bit crazy. And a question that I have for you is that Atlanta already has a great backcourt with Kennedy Carter and Tiffany Hayes. Now, are they drafting her? Are they drafting Aries specifically to come off the bench? Do you think to supplant them or is she, are they going to run out some, some OKC thunder last year, three guard lineups like they did with Schroeder, Chris Paul and, and Shia Gilgis Alexander. And what do you think about her and a player in general? Do you think based off the tournament that she should have been drafted so highly or is this a reach? Well, no, I mean, like, for people who have watched her this this past tournament, like you, you understand, like you know, right. with the performances that she put on, she she definitely elevated her draft value. Like I don't know exactly what she was pre- what, like what she was projected like before before this tournament, but I know it probably was not top five. And right. I mean, and 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 that's, and that's no disrespect to Ari McDonald. I've 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 been a fan of her for so long. I, I even I even wrote an article on her last year, so right. I've, I've I've been a fan for a minute, but. When I look at her with a combination of a Kennedy Carter, a Courtney Williams, Tiffany Hayes, I, I definitely feel like she can complement them extremely well. Also, Odyssey Sims as well, Odyssey Sims as well, who they just signed about a month ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing about it is that I feel like if you place Ari on that on that reserve role as like far possibly like a sixth woman, or even just like or even just like in the, like the bench rotation, I think she's going to provide a lot of energy right. on the floor for them. I mean. The, like this is a female that can go at it mm-hmm. especially on both ends of the floor like i mean and, and like you said i mean her defense has been like one of the top notch as far as like you know as far as like the players in this draft and then everything else would come along with her as well i mean the game the game just comes to her like just just so fluently and in all honesty i mean i think i think i think after this draft people are, have really began to like put a lot more respect on her name just because yeah. of like, her versatility on the floor so i i, I, de- I definitely like this move for atlanta I, de- I definitely didn't expect it per se, but I'm not I'm not too mad at it either. And I definitely think that Ari McDonald is gonna is gonna really contribute contribute to this team in a really positive way. Yeah, I agree. And if you saw her at all during the tournament, even if you just saw the clips, because every game there would be like every basket from Aries. 30 point night 25 point night and i would just check them out and she's just getting buckets at all minutes so for her to get drafted for her defense and have that offensive ability while she's you know in the league it's going to be incredible to see next at number four the indiana favor take kirst gondrezic who i saw a lot of publicity about her at the draft and people were a bit surprised by the pick uh, from what I saw in mock drafts, she was expected to go in the third round, let alone fourth overall. The physical attributes, she is from West Virginia, the college. She is a 5'9 guard, so she's on the bigger side for guards, height-wise. She averaged 17.4 points per game, 3.9 assists, and 3.3 rebounds on 39.9% field goal percentage. Everything that I read said that she's a two-way contributor, but did not go in a lot of detail about it. So I'd love for you to go into some detail about it if you are familiar with the player. Uh yeah, I mean I'm 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 not I'm not gonna say that like I'm like you know kind of like you know experience experienced on her like you know right. as far as studying her, but I do know a little bit about her. I mean she, she I mean and, and I mean just about everything's right. I mean she's she's a great offensive player who can create for herself and also create for her teammates. You know whenever she gets whenever she does get hot on the floor, like you know the, the, I mean honestly there's basically no stopping her. So I think I think especially with the fever losing uh Erica Wheeler mm-hmm. in this past in this past um free agency, I think I think adding. Adding Gonzari. Oh my God, I can't even pronounce these players' names. Oh my God. <laughs> this is why I write because here's the thing though, like you, you don't you don't necessarily, yeah, you don't necessarily no. have to say the name. All you gotta do is just spell it right. But yeah, yes, no, I, mean, I feel you. <laughs> but yes, I mean she she's definitely a great addition for Indiana, considering Erica Wheeler's absence now going to the um going to the Sparks. Right. Honestly, like I didn't really pay attention to a lot of her defense, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna tell you whether it's great or not. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, but by the sounds of it, she is a she is a pretty decent defensive player. So yeah, I mean, when you add that with a combination of being of being a great scorer, like you know, you, you can't you can't ask for nothing better than that. Yeah, and again, that was a surprising pick, and what was one of the more surprising drafts that we've seen at number five, the Wings with their third pick in the top five. So maybe maybe we, maybe there has been a league or a draft where a team had the number one and the number two or two picks in the top five, which which is a little bit crazy. But for them to have three picks in the top five is just unheard of. They took Chelsea Dungy, and instead of tripling up on bigs that can rebound, this is a guard who is 5'11 from Arkansas, so a big guard height-wise. In college last season, she averaged 19.8 points per game, 
1.5 assists, 4.3 rebounds, and shot 40% from the field. What I saw is that she's a three-point shooter, and I believe the Wings led the W in three-pointers shot last season, and that she's a bigger guard that can guard multiple positions. What do you think about the third pick in the draft for the Dallas Wings? She was honestly one of my um, one of my players one of my players that I valued in my draft series. So I yeah. mean, I, I'm definitely uh, yeah, I'm definitely a fan of Chelsea Dungey to be honest with you, man. She, I, in my opinion, she's Maya Moore 2.0 just just with her ability. Oh really? Yeah, just I mean, just, just with her ability on the offensive man, she's very crafty. You know, what I'm saying it's not just shooting. You know, she has she she could find that ability to get to the basket. And for and for people who are you know trying to like get aware of the W and you know or or basically women's women's basketball in general and want to figure out and want to like find out about Chelsea Dungey, go go watch her game earlier this season against UConn or her highlights to say the least because she right. she cooked. She cooked against Paige Beckers, Kristen Williams, you know, like all, all of the great UConn players that, that they have, and she was able to cook them in order to get that win. So, Chelsea Dungey, alongside like you know Arike Gumbawale, at least like as far as like being her backup in the backcourt, I think I think that's going to be a great, yeah, a great addition, especially like for that bench role. It's good to hear. Now we're at number six, the New York Liberty's first pick of the draft. This is Michaela. Onyenwere, I looked it up while you were talking so we could get these names a little bit more right. Onyenwere, she's a six foot forward from UCLA. She averaged 14.9 points per game, 1.2 assists, and 7.3 rebounds last season on 46.1% field goal percentage. The one thing that stood out in everything that I wrote or I read and listened to for this pod said that she was the most athletic prospect in the draft class. Do you agree with that assessment? Are you familiar with the player? She might actually be. I didn't necessarily – I never actually, like, thought about that, but she yeah. might actually be, to be honest. I mean, this girl can basically ball. I mean, I know, I know I've said that about the other girls as well. Yeah. But, I mean, but the, yeah, but I mean, but this but this player here is really – is a great energy producer. Like, you know what I mean? Like, this is going to be a great compliment for uh, Sabrina Unescu coming into the season, especially with, with those That's two. right in the backcourt right there. And then you add an addition of uh, Natasha Howard being in the front court. I think, I think I'm not going to say, I'm not going to say that the, uh, the Liberty are going to make the playoffs this year, but I definitely think that they're going to be in a much better position than they were a season ago. Yeah. There were high hopes last season uh, before Sabrina tore her ACL. Um, so she should, it should, she come back healthy. That would be really cool to see. At number seven, we've got the LA Sparks first pick of the draft. The Sparks who are draft or who are coached by Derek Fisher and are trying to replace Candace Parker, who left for Chicago this last season, took Jasmine Walker from Alabama, a 6'3 forward, who averaged 12.4 points per game, 1.1 assists, 7.2 rebounds, and 41.1% from the field. All decent numbers, especially when you combine the points and rebounds with the field goal percentage. She profiles as a stretch big, is what I saw. Do you think that Fisher is going to try to use her in a Candace Parker type way, or is this a different role for her? I think I think it'd be a little bit different. I don't, I don't think that Walker is as talented per se as um, as Candace Parker is, but I mean, but you never know. I mean, pe- I mean people people develop, you know, right. as the years go by, but. Jasmine Walker is definitely a stretch big that that they could possibly utilize with a combination of Aneka Gulmake, Shanae Gulmake, Erica Wheeler, you know, and all these and all these combinations of, of the great players. People don't realize the Sparks are still a good team even without Candace Parker and Chelsea right. Gray. I think I think I think people have to really realize that, and they probably will going into the season. But but yeah, I mean, I, I definitely I definitely like the move for uh, to add Jasmine Walker. I mean, a lot of people may have overlooked her because you know Alabama was a decent team, but they weren't like a, a contending team in the right. um, in the NCAA. So I think people I think people definitely overlooked her. But I think people are gonna really understand like like what she brings to a team going into this year. Yeah, and coming up is a prospect that I thought was very interesting when I was doing my prep for this podcast is Shyla Heal, who was taken by the Chicago Sky at number eight. Chicago, we mentioned last pick that Candace Parker left the Sparks for Chicago, which basically makes them an instant contender. You know, I mean, she's just one of the best players in the league, if not the best. And for her to join a different team is like LeBron going to a different team, basically. She's a five, six Australian point guard. And she averaged 16.7 points per game, 3.4 assists, 
and 4.9 rebounds per game on 42.5% field goal percentage. Now, this was a strange pick to some analysts because there were two or three still very proven college guards at this spot, and the sky elected to go with the Australian instead. What I found incredibly interesting is that she's been in the WNBL, the Australian Women's League, since she was 14 years old. She's 19 now. So she's been playing professionally for five years and she's still 19. So she's got way more experience than many of these women, at least in the professional setting. She's likely going to be backing up Courtney Vandersloot on the team. Let me know what you know about Shyla, because I don't know how much prep you did on international prospects beyond the college ones. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, bro. I, I, I don't necessarily know much about her, but... <laughs> I am. I, I mean, honestly, like later going into later on this week, I'm, I'm really going to like start, you know, trying to yeah. do my film because I'm, I'm not going to lie. Like for, for female players, it's so hard to like find film on like certain players. Right. So, like, right. Sometimes I'll, sometimes I'll have to go to like coaches or, you know, even players per se, like just, just get like some certain film. So I, I think I think that's I think that's going to be a goal of mine to do like possibly this week is to possibly get some film on her and possibly study her game. Maybe an article will come out of it. Maybe not. I'm not sure. Yeah, that's an indictment of the gap between the scouting of the NBA and the WNBA. There's always the wage gap that people mention, which is a very real issue. But the same thing is with the available information. I mean, we, we see these gaps everywhere. The women's NCAA tournament had a fraction of the workout equipment that the men's did their meals were much worse and you see this gap at every level of the sport and in this case it's with scouting international prospects in the nba typically don't have a lot of tape on them either but in terms of women's international prospects it's basically non-existent and that's a bit of an indictment there so we'll move on there but if you do write those articles and you do some if you do film study on like all of them i mean we can just do another episode we may as well do a a WNBA episode halfway through their season. To, to we definitely got everybody. to, man, particularly, particularly like, you know, before the season and even like midway through the season. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I would love to do that. And I'll be in touch with you for that because you're the guy that I'm going to with this one. At number nine, the Minnesota Lynx take Rania Davis. And real quick on the Lynx, they partnered with a lot of teams in the Midwest, including the Bucks, to hold up an auction for some of the victims of uh, police brutality and murders, you could say, in the past week. And knew this was done partially in, in part with new owner Aaron Rodriguez. So I just wanted to give them a quick shout out for that because it's nice to see teams give a shit about their community in general. The Lynx took Davis, who's out of Tennessee, a 6-2 forward. She averaged 15.4 points per game, 2.0 assists, and 8.0 rebounds. Really, really solid stats. And her field goal percentage is 47.1%, which might be the best percentage in the first round from what I've seen, at least so far, beyond Cuyer, the number one pick, who was at 47.9. It's pretty interesting. And what I saw when I was reading is, how does Minnesota keep doing this? how do they keep getting these picks that were projected to go higher at a lower stack last year? I can't remember her name, but they took someone in the second or third round and she became the first player not taken in the first round to be the rookie of the year in the WNBA. Reminds me a lot of the San Antonio Spurs Spurs always get someone that was projected to go higher, whether it's Keldon Johnson or Derek white or DeJunte Murray or, Who's the other cat they got going out there? That that rangy guy. Kel, who who's the non-Kelton Johnson big guy? Doesn't uh, who else you got? You got Lonnie Walker. You got Lonnie Walker. Uh, man, man, I can't I can't think of nobody. Yeah, sure. it's, it's it's one more wing who's not Kelton Johnson that they got. It doesn't matter. It don't matter. Let's keep moving on it. But that's all I saw was how does Minnesota keep doing this? Which is all I see when the Spurs are drafting at like 17th to 29 they never have top picks and it's always how do they get that player of course they got that player from what i saw in the breakdowns on her game she's a lanky defensive wing who is good offensively inside of the three-point line she does not profile as a shooter just yet do you agree with that assessment on davis I definitely do. I, I think I think that's definitely something that she's gonna possibly look forward to, depending on like if she works with a shooting coach or not. Like possibly, possibly extending her range because here's the thing: like the defense is going to dare her to take those shots, especially going into the WNBA. Right. So it's definitely gonna be 
her responsibility to be able to torch defenders, you know, for leaving her that wide open. So I definitely think, you know, going into the season, that's something that she should definitely look into, look to invest in is like possibly like expanding her range. But besides that, I mean, she has the whole package. I mean, like you said, I mean, she, she's a great defensive player, possibly like probably one of my best, one of my favorite defensive players, especially, especially when I watched uh, Tennessee throughout the uh, NCAA tournament. Yeah. So I, I think her with the, like with this organization, like the Lynx, who have shown to be like championship aspirations, right, and all that. Even last year, per se. I mean, I know, I know that I know they ended up losing to Seattle, but I mean, they definitely were like in a position to where they possibly could have um, ended up going far. And I definitely right. think that you know that they're going to continue to go forward with that, like going into this year. So I definitely think that you know, adding, I, I honestly think that you know, adding her to the mix will will definitely help for the future. Yeah, I, for, in terms of her defense, from what I saw, it's a 6-2 forward that's big for the W, and she's got a lot of lankiness to her as well, so that length is going to involve in a lot of passing lanes and stuff like that. We're down to the last three picks of the draft, and I've started to stumble over my words as if this is a weekend episode and I've started to drink. Sorry about that, guys, if it's really annoying you. At number 10, it's the Sparks' second pick of the draft. They took Stephanie Watts, who was a little bit of a surprise at this point, and I'll tell you guys why before I get through the physicals. She went to UNC, 5'11", big guard, averaged 15.3 points per game, 2.6 assists, and 6.8 rebounds on 38.7% field goal percentage. She profiles as a larger guard who can pass and board all positive things. The issue is she had two season-ending injuries in college, which is always a red flag. Apparently, not enough of a red flag for Derek Fisher and the front office in Los Angeles to take her. What do you think about this picnic? I like I like Stephanie Watson. I I've been a big fan of her even even like even like since her freshman year when she was at UNC before she ended up transferring and then eventually coming back. And and it's a crazy like you know me just thinking about it. I did like a whole breakdown article on her that I never released. And I, yeah. I, well, well, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, but you know, you never know. I mean, maybe maybe it will come out. Maybe it won't. But yeah, I, mean, I, I definitely I definitely like her. I definitely like her as a player. I mean, she she's definitely she definitely like one of those like small four power forwards who can be, who can definitely like stress the floor yeah. you know, and and also show like a really like a lot of hustle as well so i definitely like stephanie watson i'm honestly I, honestly to be honest with you man i didn't expect her to go this high i know a lot of people right. may, may have expected her to go higher but for me I, I definitely saw her like as a second round candidate but for her to be number 10 or number 11 because i can't exactly remember number 10 but, i mean just for her to be able to go this like to go this high is definitely definitely a good a good look for her yeah, yeah, it's always it's always nice to see those players. We we saw in terms of specifics, Cameron Johnson, the Phoenix Suns pick a few years back, nowhere even close to where they were supposed to take him, and ended up being the right pick. So it's nice to see that happen, especially when it turns out to be a positive. At number eleven, we've got Aaliyah Wilson, and I pronounce it Aaliyah because all I picture in my head is Kendra just going R.I.P. Aaliyah, R.I.P. So that's how I'm going to pronounce it. Aaliyah Wilson, Indiana Fe- uh, Fever, their second pick of the first round. She went to Texas A&M. She's a 6'2 forward. She averaged 10.1 points per game, 2.0 assists per game, and 4.7 rebounds on 41.41% field goal percentage. From what I read, she's a two-way contributor, and her strengths are in the post on both ends of the floor and rebounding. I don't know if you've profiled her at all, but what did you see if you did? I'll be honest with you, man. Yeah, I have yeah. not profiled on her at all. So I, I, I honestly don't want to come on here and speak speak on her like I no, do know her. I feel you. I feel but, you. Yeah. I mean, listen, I brought you on because you profiled a vast number of women in this draft. And like I mentioned earlier, this draft didn't turn out like anyone was thinking of it. So for someone that no one profiled to end up in the first round is not surprising considering this draft. So we're going to move on. I mean, if you guys are dying to hear about her prospects and her – her scouting, look it up. The Athletic has great articles on most of these prospects and Definitely. the draft, which is where I get most of my information. And I'm sure there are some YouTubers out there with lower followings that are doing it as well. So that's Aaliyah Wilson. And Aaliyah, if you're listening, I know you're not. We apologize. Number 12, last pick in the first round. We'll be better. Yeah. We'll be better. Definitely. <laughs> we will be better in the future. <laughs> last pick of the first round. Uh, Las Vegas Aces, their first pick of the first round. Liliana Rupert from France. She's a 6'4 center. 
She seems to be a very raw prospect. She's only 19 years old, but she did win the EuroLeague Women Young Player of the Year this past April. Not this April, the April before that, the one that nobody remembers because it was 2020. She averaged 7.7 points per game, 4.5 assists, and 2.8 rebounds per game on 41.4 field goal percentage. Not incredible numbers, but I believe they took her based on her potential as opposed to the actual numbers there and there are some talks about her keeping um keeping her overseas oh and here's a little bit of breaking news that i just got uh just a text sadiq bay you know sadiq bay the rookie in detroit oh this man is- that's that's my guy man sadiq bay he he been going crazy and the pistons every single one of their draft picks this year killian hayes yes. sadiq bay and isaiah stewart have all been monsters this year so sadiq bay just hit six threes in the first quarter and people are going crazy about it. I mean, they just, they just, I like that Detroit team, man. I like their prospects. Man. He's a killer, man. Honestly, man, like, I want to see him utilize as like a number one option for Detroit. And honestly, I mean, they have nothing to lose. I mean, I know, I know they have Jeremy Grant and everything, right. but Sadiq Bay can definitely be that guy for you who can, like, who can really create for himself and really, like, possibly, like, be that number one option for the team. Yeah, they, they're really interesting. I'd love to have a Pistons episode at some point. I, I usually I just wait to see like people with expertise uh, come on and I try to tweet at them and like, yo, come on the pod because listen, just a quick rundown. Killian Hayes, Siku Dumboya, Isaiah Stewart, Jeremy Grant, Mason Plumley, and Sadiq Bey are all worth talking about. And I would love to talk about them more and they're going to have a high draft pick. I'm not going to say they're going to get Cade, but if they get Cade, that team is going to be scary in three years. Oh, but, my God. Yeah. yeah. Cade in Detroit with a combination of Jeremy Grant, the mm. DK, mm. Isaiah Stewart. Oh, my God. Oh absolutely. My God. Absolutely. But that's for the future. Sorry about that. Before we start wrapping this up, I know you profiled a number of women for this draft, and I'm sure there are people that weren't drafted in the first round that you covered. Is there anyone that you do want to talk about? I know Candace went 13 or – yeah, Candace won 13. Dana? Dana won 13. And uh, people were expecting her to go much higher. Is there anyone that you would want to talk about that you did profile before we start moving on? Um, Dana Evans and Natasha Mack. Honestly, I didn't expect Natasha to um, to even go this low, to be honest. Which I mean, yeah. I guess I can understand it when, you, when you're trying to – when you're placing her in the same conversation with the other players before, but, like – Honestly, like Natasha Mack is a double double machine. Like you know, if if you watch her at, at Oklahoma State, like this this is a girl that really get to it, and really does not like does not get bothered by like any type of physicality or anything whatsoever. I mean, right. she came from the, she came from the JUCO. She ended up getting transferred to Oklahoma State, and then I mean, since then it's been nothing but wonders. So honestly, her going down like lower than that, or like or in the second round, kind of surprised me. And the same thing with Dana Evans as, as well. I mean, two-time ACC Player of the Year. I definitely thought that she was going to be a lottery pick, right. but I guess it wasn't meant to be. Yeah, and I, we did see quotes from both Dana and Natasha saying that it's only going to fuel them further to prove that they can continue. And honestly, with those two going in the second round, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw a non-first-round Rookie of the Year in the W for the second straight year. That's all we have on the draft, the WNBA draft. I would love to do more W content in the future. I'll likely have my main man, Nick Andre on for those episodes because he's watched more than anyone else that I consistently talk to. Of course, it would be nice to be able to get some women that cover the, the, the league in here as well, just so you know we keep that representation up because it doesn't matter, especially in a league that is about women. They can relate to the women in the league a lot more than we can, especially in terms of the sort of systemic issues that they're facing. And if those things do crop up during the season, I'd love to talk about that. Nick, before we wrap this up, do you want to give the listeners a little bit of a trailer or a preview on the Forgotten Players series? Because I love the series. I love the idea for the series. I love that you have guys on the articles that you feature, like it's a track on your fucking EP yeah, um, which you have not hit me up for yet. Hit me up for hey, the Marquise man. Daniels article because I will do it. <laughs> hey, you know, in all in all honesty, man, I'm thinking about doing a part two that could possibly come out later this year. So I definitely have to hit you up on that one. Yeah, but so, yeah, give us a little rundown. In all honesty, man, I look, I look at it like it's my debut album. Right? Like you know, what I'm saying like if I, <laughs> yeah, if, I, if, I if I was like any type of musician, like I would look at it like as a debut album. But I mean, but I mean, but shout out to everybody who contributed to my guy Aaron B, my guy Caleb Conan, 
uh, my guy Sam uh, from Fast Break Layup, uh, you yeah. know, and a whole and a whole like abundance of other people, man. I mean, shout out to everybody who contribute to it as well. But like, forgotten players is like a whole like little series where you know I kind of give like you know a lot of guys who you may not remember or you may not think of when you think about the NBA, like just kind of giving them the flowers, whether they were all stars or whether they were just role players on the championship roster. I mean, just just kind of like showing like their showing like my appreciation for like you know what they were able to accomplish and what how they were able to impact the NBA as well. So I mean. Honestly, like I know, honestly, I mean, I definitely appreciate everybody who contributed to it because I mean, it it was definitely a success. I didn't expect it to like you know to really be as big as it was. To be honest, right. like any, and I'm honestly, man, I'm that I'm that type of person where it's like you know I'm kind of I'm I'm really sensitive about, about my content. So like you know, if someone I mean I I mean I say it, but like if somebody says, oh, this article sucks, yada yada yada, I honestly do feel I honestly do feel a certain way. I mean, yeah. I'm not sure, but I definitely do. So for me to be able to do the series, I mean, and get like a lot of positive feedback, I definitely appreciate it. Yeah, it's very cool. Check out that article series, if nothing else, on Andre's content. Like he said, he's writing two, three articles a week, if not more, and they're all great. But if you want to check out something that embodies his own personality and something that he cared about that he really wanted to do on his own, check that shit out. Because it's, it's, that's how it is, you know? We all write articles that are a little bit of a clickbait these days because that's what gets clicks. That's in the name. Exactly. But he's doing shit that he wants to on occasion, and I really think that's cool, and that's the stuff that I feel we should support, especially with quote-unquote smaller creators, which is not a diss or condescending because my ass is just as small as you right now, man. <laughs> I'm gonna ask you something, man. Like, which which one was your personal favorite out of Mar- all ten of them? Marcus Camby, bro. God, I love Marcus, Marcus Camby. You know, I love. I mean, listen, he caught a stray on a Kendrick track. Not to keep bringing up Kendrick, you know, but what was the, <laughs> what's the line? Like that man washed Marcus Camby. I mean, that's just. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I remember that. I, I I can't remember what song it was, but I definitely I can't remember either. That. I can't either. But I always love Marcus Camby. Um, everyone calls his DPOY a. Uh, a fraud just because he led the league in blocks that year. I don't necessarily disagree, but the man was a rock solid center in the league his entire career. And in terms of for the culture, the man was on both the uh, Carmelo AI nuggets and mm-hmm. he was on those early trailblazers that were fucking baller too. So, I mean, he yep. has a place in the NBA history that like you have mentioned in your articles has been forgotten. So that was my favorite. I love that player, man. Yeah, definitely, man. I mean, honestly, man, like Cammy, Cammy was definitely like definitely an an interesting one for me. And and to be honest with you, man, like throughout like the entire series, I mean, it's like you know, I I picked a lot of these players, and it's like you know, I I thought that I knew so much about it, but I mean, just doing my research, like there was a lot that I did not know, and and I, and right. I think that's what made it that's what made it like so interesting is for me to like you know find out new information on like a certain player and to be able right. to like be able to use that in an article. So I mean, I, that that was definitely a fun experience. So I mean, and honestly, I probably wrote like around 20 20 25 articles for this but, right. I, but I only put out I only put out 10 so I definitely got a lot that you know that could come out soon so definitely be on the lookout for that yeah yeah he's got the outtakes ready for y'all we're gonna start wrapping this up make sure you check out those articles one last bit of uh new news Shams just tweeted again the Hornets say LaMelo Ball's fractured right wrist has healed and he has been cleared to return to individual basketball activity which is sick I fucking loved watching LaMelo this year, and I loved watching the Hornets because there's so much fun with him. And they're still in the playoffs. There's, I think they're the seven seed right now. So when they get LaMelo back, they're going to be able to keep their playoff spot and maybe even push up to a slot. That means they don't have to fight in the play-in. So that's super exciting. Nick, you want to give me one thought on that before we wrap this up? I love it. And, I mean, I, I was honestly thinking this for, for, for a little while, though, to be honest, because, I mean, we, we we just watched Killian Hayes come back from his horrific injury, so yeah. I'm like I'm thinking like I'm thinking like if Killian Hayes can come back, then Lamella can come back from like a fractured wrist or whatever. Like, right, I definitely right. I definitely didn't see it as a as a season ending injury, and and, and I mean and to be honest, like whenever the news came out, I was I was so upset, oh, man. Lamella 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 is my rookie of the year. He still mm-hmm. is, even though he hasn't played over the last like few weeks or so. Right, so. For him to be able to be cleared of like of like of like all basketball activity, man, that like that makes me so excited, man. I'm I'm I cannot wait to see him return to the court. Yeah, I agree. Obviously, Anthony Edwards has had a little bit of an explosion since Lamelo's injury, and a lot of people are arguing that Tyrese Halliburton has played the best overall, solid in the NBA. Honestly, 
which I don't honestly, disagree with. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not mad at that. I mean, I love Tyrese Halliburton, and, yeah. and I mean, I've, I've, I've been saying this over and over again, man. I, I, I want, I want him out of Sacramento, man. I want him to have his own team. We I want, want everybody out of Sacramento, bro. Exactly, man. Like I want, I want him to be that orchestrator, like that number one option for a roster. Yeah. I, I feel, I feel like him being like the backup for either De'Aaron Fox or Buddy Hill. I feel like that's gonna hinder like his him being at his full potential to be honest so I, I i just i just want him to be on a on a roster where he could be that number one facilitator I number agree. one option everything i agree or even honestly obviously if you're sacramento you're not trading him just because he's on a rookie contract and it's clear he's great but if you could even get him next to Lamelo, you know where he's not the number one option but he's the number two beautiful would be sick um, and with Sacramento, I think Darren Fox is going to request a trade sometime soon, which if he does, Chicago, please go get him. He's the missing player for your team, and you have the pieces to get him. We're going to wrap this Honestly. up. Honestly. We're going to have all these types of episodes in the future, and Nick's going to be along for a lot of them because y'all know, y'all know I bring Nick Hansen on. Let's sometime. do that drunk, man. Yeah, let's do it all. Yeah, let's honestly. do that drunk episode, man. I'm ready. Yeah, uh, just text me about Saturday, honestly, and we can yeah, probably. Yeah. I mean, because I don't mind. I don't mind having stuff in the bank because I've had dudes. You know this. I've had dudes flake on me at like the last minute, and I don't mind recording episodes by myself. But if I have like something set up for a guest, it sucks. So if I can have something in the bank that I can publish instead, that sounds money. So I'll hit you for that. Thank you for coming on yet again. Kind of the Ryan Russillo of this podcast which makes me bill simmons without the millions of dollars and the racial undertones but that's okay <laughs> um, we'll get there one day we'll get there one day. yeah we'll get there one day maybe not maybe not the second part but hopefully the millions right yes definitely Tune in. um so i'm doing two more pods this week one is a mini pod that i'm debuting with a buddy but on friday i will have a podcast with two friends it's casuals it will be like zero percent basketball so if you like the format that I've done for the past couple of weeks, where it's just like talking, you know, about life. And last week we did a segment where it was like, what's the most embarrassing thing you did this week that made you feel like a fucking loser? Because we all have those moments. And that was really fun. So keep an eye out for that. And then midweek, a buddy gave me this idea. I think I'm going to start doing it on a regular basis. Me and a buddy are going to react to the Space Jam trailer. It's going to be like 20 minute episode oh. of the pod. Just kind of trashing it a little bit, but talking about the good parts too. And we might start doing it for other trailers, not even like basketball related. The Shang-Chi trailer dropped today. It looks sick. The Mortal Kombat trailer dropped a little while ago. We might talk about that. So keep an eye out for that because if that gets a little bit of traction, I might do that every week too and start doing fucking three times a week podcasts, which I'm excited for. Keep an eye out for Nick's upcoming stuff. Keep an eye out for my upcoming stuff. I got an uh, article on Sir Charles in Charge on the Knicks resurgence this season coming out probably later this week. Man, oh my God. I I, I honestly got to get something for uh, Sir Charles in Charge coming out soon, man. I, I feel like it's been a few weeks since I wrote for them, so I definitely yeah. need to get something going. I'm getting, honestly, like I'm not supposed to talk about specific views, but I'm getting consistently thousands of clicks on my articles now. So I'm writing for them as often as I can just so I can keep that That's traction up. As always, I am your host, Ago Ibanez Beldor, the only basketball host that is both decent at his job and openly depressed. <laughs> I appreciate y'all checking in. There's no outro music, so it'll end right here. Bye-bye.